Welcome to our 8 o'clock service this morning. It is very nice and warm and cosy in here, isn't it? Uh, in true Anglican style, though, you've spread yourselves out. That's okay. Welcome to you guys that are watching at home as well. Trust that you are safe and warm and are in good spirits as we join in a special morning of celebration today. Uh, it's a special morning of celebration and reflection because we're wrapping up our series um, in Romans for the term. So I want to start our time together by reading from the doxology in Romans 11. I think that'll help us get in the right frame of mind. Where the Apostle Paul says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor, who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. So we're going to start our time together in song. I invite you at home as well to stand as we worship our wonderful God and we sing of his wondrous story. Let's stand, brothers and sisters.
Thank you, the team Orchard and Benstead for leading us this morning. Hey, welcome again. If I didn't catch you at the top, my name's Scott. I'm one of the ministers here. Super nice to have you guys joining in online as well. Uh, and welcome again to what really is a special celebration today as we conclude our term in the Book of Romans. The shape of our service today really reflects that it's a special day. We'll be having two short readings and two short words of encouragement from Andrew, our 8 o'clock minister, which I'm really looking forward to. And uh, they'll be focusing on that theme of gospel joy. Now, here's the thing. There'll be an opportunity to hear from lots of people towards the end of our service. We're going to have an open mic session in which we'd love to hear things that you might have been struck with or struck by or struck in some way or form uh, from our time in Romans. That's a little bit later on in our service. Right now, we have an opportunity to encourage one another in the, the gospel by joyfully reciting the Apostles' Creed together. Now, the creed is a thing that you can just say because you're familiar with saying it. Uh, and it is a summary of those key gospel events that focus on the life, death, resurrection, and return of Jesus. You know, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried, rose again on the third day, will come to judge the living and the dead. But I'm going to suggest that we stand and we say the Apostles' Creed together with great joy. So let's stand and we'll recite the words of the creed together. Well, together, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Pam, uh, Judge, is going to lead us in prayer now. And as she comes up, I just need to let you know, if you haven't heard that our this is the Pam Collis died last Sunday. Pam was an active member of our fellowship for a long, long time, but had spent the last stretch in full-time residential care. I can report that she died peacefully with her family present, and she has gone to be with the Lord, for which we really do rejoice. Well, um, Pam, Judge, come and lead us in prayers now. Will you join me as we pray? Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we come before you today in humility and thankfulness, very aware that we are the unlikely objects of your unwarranted love and grace. May we continue to wonder that your gift of sins forgiven through the death and resurrection of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we continue to count our blessings for all that we've been given in our lives and in this great country of Australia. Here at St Matthews, we give you grateful thanks that over 50 people have been part of the Alpha course and that you, Lord, have been at work in people's lives. We thank you too that the St Matthews Foundation Winter Appeal Budget has been generously met. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be linked with Christian ministries both locally and globally. This morning we lift up our mission partners in the Democratic Republic of Congo, Heal Africa. And we praise you that Jesus is Lord of all. We pray for them as they equip churches for counselling and outreach to local residents who live with violence and unrest. As the God of peace, we pray to you for peace around Goma, where life-threatening violence continues. We ask you to pour out your mercy on the thousands of refugees coming across the border into DR Congo as they flee for their lives. May they find safety, shelter, rest, and the hope available to them through faith in our Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we ask that at this time you would be with those who are grieving, 
We especially bring before you the family and friends of Pam Collis, who died last Sunday. May they know your peace, presence and comfort as they grieve their loss. Give them the assurance of knowing Pam is no longer suffering, but rejoicing in the presence of her Saviour Jesus. We pray as well for others known to us who carry heavy burdens of grief and sadness. As the God of all comfort, please bring reassurance of your comfort. Lord, we bring before you the physical health of our church family. Many are experiencing ongoing COVID and flu symptoms. Give us rest to fully recover and peace in our hearts so we aren't burdened with the pressures of tasks left undone. Stir those of us who are able to bring relief and help to others. Move us to trust you as the one whose good plans are never thwarted. Loving Lord, help us each day to grasp hold of our identity in Christ, dead to sin, alive to righteousness, living under the reign of grace. We bring these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's join now together in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Yeah, thanks so much, Pam. Uh, in a moment, Andrew's going to come and bring the first uh, of the messages to us. And immediately before that, Ken is going to read from Romans chapter 3. And before that, we're going to have our second hymn, which is the collection hymn for this morning, where the, um, the collection bags will be passed around. Um, but right now, we're going to have church news. So we'll go straight from church news into singing our second hymn. First up for today, we've revamped the way we induct people into the life of our church here at St Matt's. The scoop, which you might have seen happening over the last few months, is a part of that. And another key part is our new members course, which is called Onboard. Onboard is designed to help people move from attending a service here at St Matt's to belonging and contributing to the life of our fellowship. But if you've been here for a while and, and you know you already belong, we'd love to have you along to this as well. There'll be three chances to do that, starting in the first week of Term 3. On Tuesday night, the 19th of July, or Wednesday night, the 20th of July, starting at 7.45pm, or Thursday morning, the 21st of July, from 9.30am. And all three sessions are going to be run out of the Dully Smith building. We'd really love everyone to join us for one of those sessions, whether you're in a growth group or not, and whether you've been with us for decades or just a few Sundays. It'd be great to see you there. I also want to let you know about what's coming up in the next few Sundays. Next Sunday, Bruce Clark will be speaking about the state of Australian Christianity, which is especially timely given the census results this week. The Sunday after that, on the 17th of July, Archbishop Kanishka Raphael will be joining us at all services across the day, which you definitely do not want to miss. And then we'll be moving on to our Term 3 sermon series, Confronting Christianity. We'll be tackling a range of topics and thinking about them biblically through the lens of faith. If you're with us for the first time or would like to get in touch, you can access our online connect card via the QR code on the little cards in the seats in front of you. If there's anything we can do to help you at the moment, that's the best way you can reach out to us. Finally, a big thank you to all those who contributed to the Winter Appeal. Final numbers are still coming, but I'm happy to report that we've not just met, but well exceeded our target for this year thanks to those who gave so generously. On the topic of giving, a reminder for our regulars. If you'd like to financially support the ministry that goes on here, you can do that today via the FPOS machine or the Lord's Treasury box at the back, or you can set up regular electronic giving by heading to our website.
Romans chapter 3, commencing to read at verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all, for we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. There is no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Uh, thanks so much, Ken, and uh, welcome, everybody. It's great to see you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew Graham. Great to have you here. Uh, that was a cheery reading on a, a gloomy day uh, on a, on a, a, um, in a service that we've called Gospel Joy. I think there's really good reason for having it, though, this morning, and I'll come back to that in a minute. But the first thing I want to do this morning, on this day when we're reflecting on what we've heard in the book of Romans over this last couple of months, the first thing I'd like to do is just go back to a, an image that we saw a few weeks ago. Uh, it, I, it, this will be an abiding image for me as I reflect on having heard God's word. Uh, the woman, yeah, you've got it there, very good. Uh, the woman that you can see on the screen there, at the back of her, is Amber Geiger. Uh, she has just been convicted of murder in a courtroom in Dallas about two and a half years ago at the end of 2019. And the young man uh, that you can see uh, hugging her is the brother of the man that she had shot. Uh, it's quite extraordinary what took place in that courtroom because he had just said in front of the court in his victim impact statement that despite what Geiger has taken from his family, if she's truly sorry for what she did, he forgives her. And he says to her, I want the best for you. It, it is an extraordinary moment. And it's an abiding image for me, not just because it's such a, a wondrous moment in so many ways, but because it takes us to the heart of the gospel of Jesus that we've been hearing about over this last couple of months. Uh, the book of Romans is Paul's most extensive exposition of the gospel of Jesus in all of his writings. And the gospel is good, good news. Uh, the gospel of Jesus is that Jesus who died died for our sins and that Jesus who died rose again and God the Father gave to him the rule of everything 
so that he is, the, he is presently the judge of all the earth. And he now offers forgiveness and salvation and eternal life to anyone who would turn to him, who would deliberately choose to come under him in faith, trusting him and trusting what he has done. But I don't think we'll get how good the good news is until we understand something of how bad the news is of the way in which humanity has responded to God in the world that he has created. Which is why I think a first plank in our understanding as, as we build a whole building of understanding of, of who God is and what he has done is understanding how much trouble we are in with God without Christ. In terms of where we're going uh, this morning, the first thing I'll say uh, in this first uh, little snippet is that we are in big trouble. We are in big trouble with God. Then, when I come back again in um, a, few, a few minutes, uh, we'll move on to the good news, secondly, of Christ, that we are made completely right through Christ as we put our faith in him. And more than that, thirdly, we now get to serve him. We now get to serve a gracious master and live for him. It's a great privilege and honour. And he enables us to do that. So firstly this morning, we are in big trouble without Jesus. We have a big sin problem. Whether it's the flagrant sin that we read of in chapter 1 of Romans, the sin of just turning your back on God, ignoring him, and delighting in things which abhor him as if they're things to celebrate rather than things to turn your back on. Or whether it's the, the, the respectable sin of the upright citizen, often a, a religious person, who ends up being guilty, as Paul shows in chapters 2 and 3, of the very sin that they condemn in others, and of the pride which looks down on others and their sin as if their sin is less excusable than your own. So we have a big sin problem. And, and more than a third of what we've read so far in the book of Romans focuses on that problem. It's so vital that we understand the problem that we've got. Uh, in our perversity, we, we, we just don't understand how good God is and how good his way is and how seriously he takes it when we turn our backs on him. Paul draws all that he says in chapters 1 and 2 and 3 together in, in the conclusion that Ken read for us to that section of the book of Romans. And I'm just going to focus on three verses, which I think will help us grasp the significance of this. See, in chapter 3, verse 10, Paul, Paul says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. See how in those three verses he stresses the universal problem of the human race. No one escapes. You notice in those six lines of those three verses, four of those lines begin with the words, there is no one. Look at it again. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. And down the bottom, there is no one who does good, not even one. See, the rhetoric is very strong, isn't it? Two of those lines end in the words, not even one. Have a look at it again. There is no one righteous, not even one. And the last line, there is no one who does good, not even one. All together have turned away. They have together become worthless. Now, Paul doesn't go on about the sin of the human race to, to beat us into the ground. He, he doesn't do it to make us all feel miserable, but he does, he does it to, to help us understand how kind God has been to us. He does it so that we feel the joy of knowing how much we've been forgiven. Now, the Lord Jesus says at one point, the person who's been forgiven much, loves much. And each of us has been forgiven so much because we're, we're guilty of 
the, the sin of the first man, of, of Adam. His experience of sinning against God from his heart is the experience that all of us are familiar with. Now, if that was all we had to say today, if that was all the Apostle Paul has to say in the book of Romans, it's hardly worth listening to. That is, that all alike have turned away, altogether have become worthless. But there is more to say, and we're going to come back to that. But, but just, just in case you're desperate right now, Paul, in the very next words, after if Ken had have read further through chapter 3, he says, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. Next time I speak, I'll say a little bit more about that. But brothers and sisters, we need not be weighed down by our sin when we turn to Christ. And that's why we're going to sing now about how Christ is our cornerstone. Here's a song to sing of God's great love for sinners and of the joy that we can know in Christ. Would you stand as our team leads us? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into, his, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, but how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were still God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but also, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. So earlier we heard from chapter 3 that we are in big trouble with God because of our sinfulness. But in Romans 5, and actually in everything that follows after Romans 3, uh, we see that we are made completely right with God. So Romans 3 verse 10 says, There is no one who is righteous, not even one. But chapter 3 verse 21 says, But now the righteousness of God has been made known, a righteousness which is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. See, in, God, in, in Christ, God has made known a way of repairing all the damage that we've done, a way of cleaning up the mess that we've made of God's world, a way of reconciling the relationship that we had trashed, that we, we have with God. So God, God's gift to us in Christ is so momentous that the Apostle Paul has to draw on really rich language to describe it in all of its wonder. So in chapter 3 he uses legal and sacrificial language. We are justified. We're in the law court here. We are declared right by the judge as a result of the death of Jesus, as a result of the sacrificial death of Jesus on our behalf. In chapter 4 he uses accounting language taking us way back to our father Abraham, uh, who was credited with righteousness when he put his trust in God's promise. So in the credit column there, we are credited with righteousness as we put our trust in Jesus. In chapter 5, which Jenny has just read for us, the apostle uses beautiful relational language. God reconciles us to himself. We are at peace with someone who had become our enemy. He was rightly angry with us. While we were still sinners, though, Christ died for us. It was a beautiful moment in that court in Dallas, wasn't it? When Amber Geiger realised that, that a man was dead because of her reckless action. She was so relieved, though, to hear the words of his brother who offered to forgive her and to feel his embrace uh, as we watched that video back uh, a few weeks ago here in church. The sounds that were loudest in the courtroom were out of her relief when, when she was sobbing, sobbing with, I suppose you would call it, a joy. She realised how, how badly she'd messed things up. And yet the brother of the man she'd killed was accepting her and forgiving her. How much more our joy, how much more our joy when we can know in, in the kindness of God that in Christ he has poured out his mercy into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's the experience the Apostle describes in chapter 5. As we trust ourselves to Christ and to his sacrifice for us, as we trust ourselves to him as our present Lord, the Holy Spirit is poured into us and fills us with a sense of wonder and joy. Little wonder that we sang with such great gusto earlier this morning. Rejoice, the Lord is King. Your Lord and King adore. Jesus the Saviour reigns. The God of truth and love. Lift up your heart. Lift up your voice. Rejoice. Again, I say. Rejoice. See, without Christ we are in very big trouble, but with Christ we are completely reconciled to the Holy God. We are completely reconciled to the Holy God, and more than that, 
our lives are transformed in this present world. As the Spirit works in us, He is transforming us because we are freed to serve a gracious master. This is what we've been focusing on the last couple of weeks as we've worked through the end of chapter 5 of Romans and into chapter 6. And to highlight the truths uh, that we've heard there, I'm going to borrow an illustration from the great Welsh preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, slightly, slightly adapted. He, um, he, in illustrating the experience of a Christian after turning to Christ, takes us back to 1865 uh, when Abraham Lincoln's government declared an end to the institution of slavery in America. Lloyd-Jones says, imagine on that day, actually I'll just show you this image, is that up there yet? There he is. I had to search hard to find a photograph of someone who'd been a slave in 1865. This was taken many years after. Henry Robinson, by this stage, was an old man. I've just got it there. So you've got a concrete picture of someone who once was a slave, who once all they'd known in their experience was being, uh, ha having to obey a slave master. Lloyd-Jones says, imagine that slave the day after the, the proclamation by Abraham Lincoln. Imagine he's out on the street and he hears the voice of his master calling, boy, come here. He says, can you imagine how every part of his being would turn back to that master? That would be his reflex to go back there. But then Lord, Lord Jones says, does the way that he feels therefore annul the proclamation by, by Lloyd Jones, uh, by, sorry, by Lincoln? He says, no, legally he's free. Legally he's free from that day on. And as a free man, he can say, you don't own me anymore. That's not who I am anymore. I'm free from your rule. And it's a great illustration of the experience of a Christian who from the moment we turn to Christ, we are declared right by God. However, in our ongoing experience, we feel ourselves drawn back to our old master, uh, to the, the, the master uh, who's, who, who's called sin, who's called Satan, who's called evil. So there's something to learn here about deliberately calling to mind the truth that the scriptures proclaim. Uh, in chapter 3 of, of Romans. Uh, Paul says in chapter 6, verse 11, count yourselves dead to sin. Learn to tell yourself that's who you are. I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to God in Christ. I'm alive to righteousness. I have a new master. As uh, Scott said last week, there's a new sheriff in my life. And he's the one I want to obey. I'm motivated to, love, uh, to, to obey him because I know how much he loves me. I know how much he cares for me. So all of, that all of this means that when temptation comes to us, as it, as it surely does, I can say to temptation, no, I'm dead to that way of life. So I hear a, a juicy piece of gossip and everything within me says, I've got to pass that on. I can say, no, no, I'm dead, I'm dead to that way of life. I've set aside some money to give away. Um, an offer comes up for me to spend the money on myself. I can say no to greed because I'm no longer under that old master of greed and sin. In those moments, and, and a thousand like them, it makes all the difference in the world that, as we heard last week, my old self is dead. It died with Christ on the cross. And I've risen with him to a new life, with new power, so that I can say to sin, to that temptation, no, that's not who I am anymore. God has made me one with Christ. I came across this quote last year, and it's been a great help to me. It was in a book I was reading on union with Christ, what it means that we are one with Christ. A Scottish preacher said this, our greatest hindrance in the Christian life is not our lack of effort, but our lack of acquaintedness with our privileges. That way of thinking, which especially comes through in Romans 5 and 6, 
been very helpful to me in my Christian life in the last few years. I'm quite a disciplined person. I've realized one of the big strategies I've used to, to counter sin in my life is to try harder. And it does help, but it doesn't do everything. And, and, and our, our greater need than trying harder is taking hold of all that is ours in Christ. And that's what we've been doing this last couple of months in the book of Romans. In this extensive exposition of, of the gospel of Jesus, we've been going deeper into what's been achieved for us in Christ. And so much of the Christian life through the years is getting more of Jesus, more of Jesus. You can never move past him, but you can always move deeper into him. So it's been a wonderful time over these uh, last couple of months. At our growth group on uh, Tuesday night, a number of people said, when are we going to Romans 7? We can't wait for the next bit. It, it probably won't be till next year. But um, this last couple of months, we've had a real feast in God's word. Uh, what we're going to do now uh, is we're going to have a time just to reflect quietly. Mark's going to play um, some lovely music on the organ. And we'll have three verses, key verses, out of the first six, six chapters of Romans just for you to quietly reflect. And then Scott's going to grab a, a microphone. And if you'd like just to share something that God has been showing you, some way in which God has been working in your, in your life as a consequence of listening, listening to the book of Romans, please put your hand up and Scott will come and uh, get you to speak. But now we've got a time of personal reflection. Okay, now if there's anyone who'd like to share, Scott's got the microphone there and we'd love to hear from you. Martin, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. For me, the study of Romans has underlined the importance of being an active member of a growth group, a small group. Why? Let me take our group, for example. We've actually read Paul's words for ourselves and hence heard God speak. We've grappled with those words. We've thought about them. We've gone, remember what Bruce said then? Oh, yes, okay. We've come away sometimes, and it's a bit like what Andrew has emulated for this morning. Wow, we're in lots of trouble. 
we're a bit behind things, so we are coming yet to the good news, Andrew, that you shared with us. And I guess the good news, as Scott said yes, last week, as we end up in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. who'd like to share. I'm actually having a little trouble seeing the hands because of um, the lights. <laughs> Charles, thank you. We're keeping it in the Sumter family at this stage. Thanks, Charles. It's going back a bit into 1940s, but I was in the Bush Brigade at a Baptist church and um, we just had a, a memorial service for one of our Boysby Gay boys who had been called up and he was on his way out uh, as a fighter pilot to Burma. And they were going across Africa and he was uh, in training and he uh, went into a dive and didn't come out mm. and so lost his life completely. And it was after that service that uh, I gave my life to Christ. Mm. And the minister uh, who had been pressing me for a while um, said, go out and tell someone. Mm. And that I did. Mm. And it is an open thing that you want to share with others. Yes. The following of Christ. It's been rather good uh, since 1940 uh, to me. <laughs> now at 96. Yeah. Uh, there we are. Thank you, Charles. Uh, I know that one of the reasons uh, Bruce was keen for us to preach through the Book of Romans is coming, well, coming out of COVID, or at least some of the strictures of COVID. Uh, this is the very sort of thing to stir us as a church. Uh, to go deeper into the gospel so that we live as God's people in, in this world and so to re-energise us as his people. So thank you for sharing, Charles. Rhonda. This thing's been really good to be struck again by the, the big problem that we have, yeah. the big separation that we have from God and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And this is how he demonstrates his love. Um, one of my favourite verses in the Bible has been 1 John 4, where it says this is how we know what love is, that Christ died for us. And when we realise the plight that we're in, uh, the fact that Christ died for us, is just amazingly generous love that we yeah. can't comprehend. Yeah. And so it's been a joy to actually re-look at that. Yeah. Thank you. It reminds me of an old Sunday school uh, song which says he knows the worst about you and loves you just the same. You don't have to hide from him, he just loves us. Yeah, thank you. Was there anyone else who'd like to share? Oh, thanks, Chris. Um, I, I've been really taken by what Romans 5 10 says. We were God's enemies, but he has made us his friends through the gift of his son, and that really uh, makes me feel special as his friend. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Thank you. It's Laura, isn't it? Yes, thank you. Um, I think, like you said today, like the good news is not good news if there is no bad news. Mm. And um, in our growth group, Stu encourages us to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Mm. And then he said, like, not only to preach the good news to yourself, but also the bad news and to remind yourself of our fallen state as sinners. Mm. And um, I found this was a very humbling thing. And um, from that humble, humbled place, um, you, we can love others easily, around, those around us. And those who have done wrong to us, we can love them and forgive them from that humbled place because we realise we're just sinners, just yeah. the same. And so, yeah, I found that very good. Thanks, Laura. It's a wonderful thing to be able to be entirely honest about yourself. Uh, and still know that you're accepted by God. And I'm totally with you about the, 
the gospel being something we preach to ourselves. Um, the, the, the book of Romans is written to Christians to stir us through the gospel. Yeah, thank you. I thought your hand was going up there, Colin, but you're just being thoughtful, aren't you? <laughs> Do we have one more person who'd like to share? That's fine. Look, thanks so much uh, to those of you who have shared. Um, it'd be the sort of thing where maybe you weren't uh, game to speak in public, but it'd be good to share with someone else uh, what it is that, on reflection, God has been saying to you as we've been reading through the book of Romans. We're going to sing now, sing uh, what for many of us will be a very familiar song, the old 100th. Um, there'll be a, a slightly longer introduction to this, and don't be surprised if there's one or two little interludes from the organ. Uh, but let's, uh, let's sing this with gusto. Let's stand and we'll sing. Benson has bruised fingers after playing like that. Would you please thank Margaret and Martin and Mark as well for leading us in music and song this morning. It really does so aid our expression of joy, so thank you. 
Uh, well, in a moment, we're going to enjoy some morning tea in the function room. I invite everyone to come and join us for that. Uh, unfortunately, you guys at home are going to find that hard to be a part of. But thanks for joining us for the rest of the service. It really has been so nice to have you with us. And um, morning tea is an opportunity to continue to share joy, um, to share things that you, we've been reflecting on from the book of Romans that have impressed your spirit. It might be that the, this sense that we are in big trouble has reminded you of how kind God is. It may be that the idea that we're made completely right with God is, is so wonderful, you wonder, how can that be? It might be that we now serve a gracious master who has so loved us that you just can't help but want to talk about that some more over a cup of tea or coffee. Well, I invite you to join us in a few moments' time. Before then, though, let me close our service um, with the dedication. Uh, Eternal God and Father, by whose word we are created, and by whose love we are redeemed, and by whose power we are made dead to sin and alive to righteousness, guide and strengthen us by your Spirit, so that we may say no to sin, rejoice in your grace, and give ourselves to your service, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.